And this guy says, I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I won't look back. I won't let up. I won't slow down. I won't back away and I won't be still. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. My face is set. My gate is fast. My aim is heaven and my road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My God is reliable and my mission is clear. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the adversary, negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I won't give up, shut up, or let up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I have a great hope that he's coming back again one day, and when he comes for his own, he will have no problems finding me, for my banner is clear. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That's a great statement right there. This guy, I don't know who he was, I don't know what he did, but it is obvious that he's an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. And he's not afraid to say it in front of whoever wants to hear it, that he's unashamed. He is a follower of Jesus Christ. His cards are on the table, he's waving his banner proudly, telling everybody and letting everybody know, I believe in and I follow Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to ask this question, and it's going to be for me, and it's going to be for you. Can we say that? Can you and me sitting in here today, can we say that we have decided to follow Jesus Christ? Can we say that we are a part of this fellowship of the unashamed? Because that's what Jesus is asking for here. And I'm not even going to say that he's asking for this. I'm going to say that he's demanding this of his followers. These guys in Matthew chapter 10, these 12 disciples, they're being sent out. He's having a little pep talk with them, and he's getting ready to send them out on their own, two by two. And they're all gathered around, going to go on their first journey, their first trip on their own. And they will face opposition. We've seen that here. Verse 17 says there'll be religious opposition. Verse 18, government opposition. Verse 21, family opposition. It says later on there's going to be hatred, slander, and maybe even they'll lose their lives for following Jesus Christ. So when that happens, he knows that when they go out and they're going to face opposition and hatred and slander and even death, they're going to be tempted to kind of back off. They're going to be tempted and intimidated to not name the name of Christ. And it's not just them, but we're going to face the same temptation. That in this opposition and this hatred and animosity that's out there in our world, that we're going to have that temptation, we're going to have that intimidation to back off on naming the name of Jesus Christ. And Jesus tells them here, when that temptation comes, when that intimidation comes, when you feel that fear, when you feel that anxiety, and you want to back off in your proclamation of Jesus, He says here, don't be ashamed of me. He says here, Go out, and when you leave here, you wear the name of Jesus proudly. You lay, again, you lay your cards on the table. You, you wave your banner as, as proudly as you can. Do not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. You can't proclaim Him if you're ashamed of Him. You can't live for Him if you're ashamed of Him. Jesus expects these followers and all of His followers to be unashamed followers of Him. And how are we to be unashamed? It says here, there's one main word that he gives here. 
And you can see it repeated twice in verse 32. In order for us to be unashamed, we must confess him. The word confess means we stand with him. We must boldly proclaim, I stand with Jesus Christ. We must boldly proclaim that the word confess means I stand with him. It means I identify with him. I am. And I don't care who knows it. That's what he's saying here. And we ought to be able to say that. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. He is my teacher. I love what he teaches. I love who he is. I love everything about him. And I'm not ashamed to let everybody know it. We ought to be unashamed in saying, I am a Christian. I am a follower of Christ. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. Call me a Christian. We have a lot of reasons to be ashamed, but Jesus Christ isn't one of them. We must stand and be unashamed confessing followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus here in this passage, and I'm getting ready to get to our points, but he's, I think he's firing them up here. I think he's giving them a pep talk. I think he's emboldening them. I think he's, he's lighting a fire under them. He's letting them know to go out and be unashamed in their walk with him. And we need this today. I want, to, I want to apply this to us because sometimes every single one of us in here, me included, are hesitant in our walk with Christ. We oftentimes hold back. We're often afraid. We're often embarrassed. And it's getting worse in the world we're living in. Because as soon as we stand up not only for who Christ is but what he says, there's going to be people saying things about us, making fun of us. All kinds of evil things will be said about us falsely for his name's sake. And again, we become hesitant, we hold back. We need this passage today. Maybe you're not ashamed, but we need a greater boldness in being unashamed. We need to be encouraged in this, and we need to be more outspoken. I hope what this did for the disciples, and I could have easily went to Acts and showed you how this lit a fire under them, and how they went through all the first century, and they were unashamed followers of Jesus. This lit a fire under them, and I hope it will light a fire under every single one of us here today to be unashamed followers of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at it. Two verses, three points. And what I want to do today is I want to ask three questions as we look our way through this passage. And that's what I did as I was studying it. I just started asking questions and writing those questions down. And that's our three headings today. Three points asking three questions. Question number one, as we look at how to be an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ, question number one is, who do we confess? Who do we confess who are we to be unashamed of and look, look what it says here I, mean, I just want you to see whosoever verse 32 therefore shall confess me do you see that that was the first question I asked who are we supposed to be unashamed of and Jesus says it here me do you see that he says me to be, be unashamed confess me who is this me that he says we are to confess and I know that's a, a simple question with a, a very easy and simple answer the words are in red Jesus has been saying all these things so the answer is obvious me is Jesus Christ we're to be unashamed confessing standing with identifying with letting the whole world know we follow him Jesus Christ and you say well we can move on from that right it's simple we confess Jesus that's the answer to the to the who but understand this, I'm going to go in the opposite direction of this. Our, understand who our confession isn't. This doesn't say we are to confess or to be unashamed of or to identify with being an American. That's not top priority for us. Or to being a Republican. <laughs> or being a Democrat. 
or being an independent. It doesn't say that, does it? Whosoever therefore shall confess being American or your nationality. It doesn't say whosoever therefore shall confess the Republican Party. You say, Josh, you're going too far. You're, you're getting too, 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 going too far in this, Josh. No, no, it doesn't say confess the, the Democratic Party either, does it? It says me. Our confession, number one, foremost, uh, above everything else. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with being a political party or an American or a nationality. But number one, it says we're to confess me. We're to be labeled and identified with him. Now, let me go even further with this. We can identify or be called a Baptist. I mean, there's all kinds of Baptists out there. You can say, well, are you a, who, what do you believe? Well, I'm a Baptist. And there's all kinds. You could be an independent Baptist. You can be a Southern Baptist. You can be an old regular Baptist. You can be a Baptist from this holler and that holler and a, a 30 different Baptist churches around here. And you say, that's, that's who I am. That's who I identify with. I'm a Baptist or I'm a Presbyterian or I'm a, a, a Pentecostal or I'm a, I'm a Methodist. And there's all these denominations that we can identify with. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it doesn't say denomination here, does it? I can go even further. He doesn't say, look at this, I'm, I'm just, this is how my mind thinks, watch. Whosoever therefore shall confess John Wesley, I'm a Wesleyan. It doesn't say that, does it? Whosoever therefore shall confess Martin Luther, there's a Lutheran church, is there not? Okay, it doesn't say that, does it? I'm going to keep going. It doesn't say whosoever therefore shall confess to be an Arminian, whosoever therefore shall confess to be a Calvinist, John Calvin? Whosoever therefore shall confess to be a Spurgeonist? I don't know, he didn't have his own denomination, but... <laughs> Whosoever therefore shall confess to be a MacArthurite? <laughs> it doesn't say that, does it? I mean, you guys may not know who John MacArthur is, but it doesn't say that. I'm not going to stand with and identify with these men. It doesn't say that. I'll even go further. It doesn't say... <laughs> Whosoever therefore shall confess to be a Joshite, <laughs> follower of Josh, you know. It doesn't say that. He says, me. This is as simple as it can get. That me is Jesus Christ. This is who we confess. This is who we identify with. We are followers of Jesus Christ. I am. You are. We are. Christians. That's who we are. That's what we are. Before we are anything else, get this, all these men that I named, and you guys may not know who they are, all theologians, all teachers, all preachers that we love, and I love, and I read, and I, I study them, and I, I know all about them, but get this, with John Wesley, I may agree with him only 85% on what he believes. I mean, I could go down the list with Martin Luther, with, with John Calvin, with Charles Spurgeon, with, with John MacArthur. I don't even agree with all that Josh says, you know. But I agree with everything Jesus says. I'm a follower of Christ. That's who I follow. None of these men, following them, reading them, loving them, denominations, primarily, first, foremost, and above everything else, we are Christ followers. That's what we're to be known as. You ask me what I am, and I will stand and say, I am a Christian. 
What else are you, Christian? What else are you, Christian? What else are you, Christian? And we tell the whole world by using that name that we are Christ followers. That's who we are. That's what we are. And that name may not mean a whole lot in the world today, but it means everything to me. It defines everything that we are. We are Christians. That's who we are. We follow Jesus. He made it simple to us. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, all the way up as far as you can go. I am a Christian. That's who we are. So the next question that we're going to go through, we're still asking who? Well, then if we are to be followers of me, he says, not men, but me, he says, who is that me? Who is Jesus? Because we can say Jesus all the time, but does that, does that mean the same thing to everybody? That's the question here, because there's all kinds of false ideas about Jesus out there. The Bible even says there will be many false Christs. There will be many antichrists out there, and there's going to be so many people that fall in line with a, a, a form of Jesus that isn't real, that isn't right, that isn't genuine, that isn't true. There's going to be all kinds of scholars and skeptics and books and religions and cults that create this Jesus that isn't the real Jesus. So we need to be very careful that when we say we're Christians and we follow Christ, that we have the right Jesus. You say, well, who's the right Jesus? I'll, I'll tell you this. We don't want people's opinions about Jesus. I don't want to know who he is to you. I don't know. I don't want to hear you say, well, I think Jesus is. We better have the right Jesus. It, it is pivotal that we have the right Jesus. It's not the Mormon Jesus. It's not the Jehovah's Witness Jesus. It's not the Muslim Jesus. They all have a Jesus that they, they think they follow. It's the wrong Jesus. It's not the hippie Jesus. I don't know if you guys have seen the hippie Kumbaya Jesus that's out there. All love, you know. Just all just get along. And then there's a really hateful Jesus that's just out to kill everybody. Who's the right Jesus? We want the right Jesus. We want the true. We want the one and the only. We want the real Jesus. I even wrote this down here because I, I looked it up last night. I remember a show, watching a show as a kid called To Tell the Truth. And they'd have these three people. You, know, you guys, I'm showing my age here. But these, these three people would sit at a table and they'd all say they're the same person. And then you get to ask them questions. You guys ever seen this? this it was a good show. And you get to ask them questions. And, and they'd sit there and they'd say, they, they'd answer the question and they'd answer the question. And at the end of the show, they'd say, will the real blank stand up? And then, you know, they'd, they'd all kind of stand up and then we kind of play around. And then at the end, the, the right one would stand up and he'd say, I am the real one. That's what we do here. There's this one that says Jesus is this. And there's this one that says Jesus is this. And there's this one that says Jesus is this. And what we need and what we desire is for the real Jesus to stand up. That's who we follow. That's who we love. That's who we serve. Will the real Jesus please stand up so that we can follow the real Jesus? Not an anti-Christ, not a false Christ, but the real Jesus. That's who we want to follow. You say, well, who is that real Jesus? Turn with me, if you guys don't care. Two verses. I have to have somewhere else to go. Turn with me to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 15 and 16. And I'll explain why I'm going here. I could have easily just come up with all kinds of different things that are true about Jesus, but I wanted to let Scripture speak for itself here. 1 Timothy 3, verse 15. 
But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And then it says, and without controversy. That and without controversy means this is a confession. This is a well-known statement. This is a, not up for debate. Everybody believes this. It's without dispute. This is what we stand upon. It's unanimous in the church. And, and, the, and the, after that is, is six or seven things describing who Jesus is. This was a song. This was a confession. This was a cheer. This was a chant. This was a, an early church creed. This is what the church stood upon in the first century. This is what they believe to be true about Jesus. This is what, when all these other false Christs and anti-Christs popped up, they would come back to this confession and say, this is what we believe about Jesus. This is their, their, their cheer. They sang this. Kids learned this at a young age. Everybody knew this to be true. You say, what is it? Here's my sub-points. Just go through this with me. Here's what they say about Jesus. First, let's, let's look at it. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And here we go. Just, just follow along with me. Track with me on this. First, and, and it's just the first word, God. Jesus is God. Yes. Uh, understand that. Genesis 1 began, in the beginning was God. John 1 says, in, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus is God. It starts out with that, that great statement that, that Jesus is Lord. He wasn't created. He wasn't made. He is eternal, pre-existent, second member of the Godhead. Jesus is God. We believe that the real Jesus who stands up will say, I am God. We believe that. It, it's indisputable. It's not up for debate. Jesus is God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Paul called him Lord. Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hebrews chapter 1 said he was the express image of God. Colossians chapter 1 says he is the image of the, of the unseen God. So the first thing that we believe, and everybody in here should say amen to, that when the real Jesus stands up, we say he is God. That's good. Let's, 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 let's keep going. This point may take us to the rest of the sermon. God was manifest in the flesh. Not only is he, God, is he God, the one true and living God, he's also man. Truly God, truly man. He came in the, the flesh. He showed up in the flesh. He took on flesh. He became a man. He was born of a virgin. It's the, the incarnation, the, the virgin birth, the sinless life. He went to a cross to die for our sins. He's not only God, but he is also man. Truly God, truly man. We say amen to him being God, and we say amen to him being man. It's not debatable. That's who He is. And any religion, any cult, any body that says any different about Jesus being God or Jesus being man is not the true Jesus. I'll give you another one. You want to keep going? God manifests in the flesh. This is what they taught their kids. No heresy going to get in my kid's mind. God manifests in the flesh. Let's give you another one. God manifests in the flesh justified or vindicated by the Spirit. You say, what does that mean? 
We know what they said about Jesus when he was alive. The Jews said it. The pagans said it. They said he was of the devil. They said he did the works of the devil. They called him all kinds of names and said all kinds of crazy stuff about him. But when he was resurrected, he was vindicated by the very Spirit of God. I love that. It's a divine verdict. When he rose from the grave, it's the Spirit of God saying, He is truly God. It's a divine, I told you so. Romans 1.5 says he was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Vindicated by the Spirit. You know what that's teaching us? He was resurrected. It's not debatable, is it? No, we believe that. In any religion, any cult, any confession, anybody that believes that he was not resurrected has the wrong Jesus. I'll give you another one. You want to keep going? Yeah, you do. God, manifest in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen of angels. This may be my favorite one. You say, what does that mean? I love the word seen. The word seen means he was, he was observed by the angels. He was watched by the angels. He, was amaz- he amazed the angels. They were in awe of what he did. After he was resurrected, the angels who wanted to see what was going on, it's like their eyes in heaven were watching everything that he did. They were amazed. Oh my, God became flesh. Oh my, he did miracles. Oh my, he he was perfect and sinless. Oh my, he went to the cross and died for those people. Oh my, he's been resurrected. Oh my, look at this Savior. They were in awe of Jesus. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. They're giving honor and praise unto Jesus. That's a good one. Let's go even further. You want to go further? Yeah, you do. Scene of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Who did they preach when they went out? They preached Jesus. They preached Christ and Him crucified. Paul said, I have no other message than that. I have nothing else to say. I think when Paul got up to preach, they'd look at him and say, Paul, preach something different. He'd say, I only have one message. Christ and him crucified. Preached unto the Gentiles. Some people may look at me and say, Josh, you preach the gospel in Jesus every single Sunday. Amen, 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 and amen. You go out there in the world and they'll tell you something different about Jesus. You need to come in here and be assured of who the real Jesus is. Reminded week in and week out who Jesus is. I love to tell the story of Jesus and his blood. Put it on repeat. I love it. You're sitting here saying, I know all this stuff, Josh. You need to hear it again. I need to hear it again. In a world that tells us lies, we need to be affirmed in the truth. What's that old song say? I just said, I love to tell the story. We'll be the theme in glory. To tell the old, old, old story of Jesus and his love. You say, what does that song say? It says, I'll be preaching Jesus and talking about him throughout eternity. Preached unto the Gentiles. I'll, I'll get, we're going to get by this. Hold on. I love preaching Jesus. I can't get enough of this stuff. Preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world. When he was first preached in Acts, 3,000 souls were saved. They believed on him. Later on, 5,000 were saved. And it's on and on and on and on throughout history that when Jesus is preached, people believe in him. That's who we believe in, the real Jesus. 
I don't believe in a Muslim Jesus who's just a prophet. I don't believe in a Mormon Jesus. I don't believe in a Jehovah's Witness Jesus. I don't believe in a hippie Jesus or a hateful Jesus or your Jesus or that Jesus. I believe in the true Jesus and that Jesus is the only Jesus that saves. And I'll say this, if you haven't believed in him, you aren't saved. It doesn't say here, worked on in the world baptized on in the world it says believed on in the world the only way any of us will ever be saved is by believing on this Jesus Christ and finally I think I just gave you seven sub points I didn't count them you guys can go back and watch the video he was received up into glory this is a full understanding of Jesus from who he was and where he was before he was born to where he is now describes everything truthfully about Jesus. Received up into glory, which means he ascended into heaven, that God, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God on high, where he is highly exalted and given a name that is above every name. And that he is coming back again one day. And he's going to make all things right. We believe that. This is who Jesus is. This is the truth that holds up the church. That's what it says there at the end of verse 15. That this is the pillar and ground of truth. This is what holds us up. If we lose any of that, we lose our foundation. We stand on this. We love this. This is our confession. This is our creed. This is our cheer. This is what we say in here. And when we say it in here, everybody says amen. That's what the church stands on. We may go out there and they may curse us, but in here, this is what we stand upon. This is who we confess. This is who we follow. This is Jesus Christ. That's good. And I'll tell you this, there's nothing to be ashamed of there. I'm not ashamed of any of those things. And to be a true follower of Christ, you must make that personal confession of faith in Him. That's who you believe in. I don't have time to go any further because in Mark 8 he says that they can't be ashamed of him and his words. So it's not just who he is. It's, you can't separate who he is from what he says. It's, it goes together. But this is who we say. This is who we confess. Back with me to Mark, Matthew 10. That was the first question. Who do we confess? Second question. How do we confess? How do we confess? It says here, we confess publicly. Look what it says. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men. That's simple again, right? We just go on to the next question. It's before men. Who are these men that it's talking about? These men could be confessing before those who agree with me. It could be that. It could be those who are pleased when I say it. Those who cheer me on when I say it. It could be here and amongst the church, the pillar and ground of truth, that when I say these things, and we should, when we say these things about Jesus, we should amen it. And we're saying, yes, I agree. Yes, I believe. Yes, I follow. We should all in here say yes and amen. That's our Jesus. And it should be encouraging to us. I love that when people get baptized here. This is, this is a great, we, we get baptized back here and we go down in the water. And this, you know what that person's doing when they do that? They're confessing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They're making it public. 
So when they go down into the water and they come back up, I have died and now I'm living for Christ. I'm following Christ. And they get up in front of everybody and they're soaking wet. You know what you guys do out there? Yes. Yes. We agree. We're proud of you. That's amazing. Here, that's what we get. Here, that's what we do. We need that here. We all have the same confession. It's a pep rally for our souls. That's one of the great things about baptism. There's another believer. But he's not talking about in the church. These men here, if you look at it and follow with me, verse 17, Matthew 10, just, just, just follow along. Verse 17, but beware of men. Do you see that? I guess sometimes you have to be beware of men in church. But that's not the men he's talking about. I can go to verse 22. And you shall be hated of all men. I can go to verse 26 through 31. We looked at it last week. Fear them not, same men. Verse 28, and fear not them, same men. Verse 31, fear ye not them, therefore ye, uh, he's saying the same men. So these aren't the people that agree with us. He's saying that we're going to have to stand up publicly and confess before people that don't like it. That's what he's saying before those who oppose you. Before those who want to scalp you. Who's out to harm you. Before those people who are hostile and hateful. He says in Mark 8, before an adulterous and sinful generation. Before people who don't believe what we believe about Jesus, we will go out and we will confess publicly with the crowds around us, maybe in the workplace. As you've got all kinds of people around you in the workplace and they don't believe what you believe. There may be other religions there who believe differently about Jesus. There may be people who are hostile towards Jesus and they don't love Him, they don't like Him, they don't follow Him. And because you do, they'll hate you. You may be in your school. We've got teenagers that are here. You may stand up in your school and your professors won't like it and your teachers won't like it and the other students won't like it and you'll be hesitant to back off and and to, and to not say anything at all. But it says here that we are to publicly confess Jesus before men. That in our workplace, get this, I know this is hard. Everybody in that workplace needs to know where I stand. If you can go into your workplace, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to step on toes. I really don't. But if you can go into your workplace and ask the people that you work for, is he or is she a Christian, a Christ follower, and they say, never heard them mention it. Are you publicly confessing it? If you can go into your school, teenagers that are here, even kids that are here. And somebody could talk to your friends and say, is he or she a Christian? Go to your teammates. Is he or she a Christian? And they say, never heard them mention it. Are you really publicly confessing? I'll say it this way. Are you really unashamed? Let me apply this to me. If I can go into a gym and work out five days a week, and there's people that I'm around, and if there's one in there, if you go to all those people in the gym and say, is he a Christian? Well, I've seen him drive a West End van. He must be. <laughs> if he's not, he's weird, you know. <laughs> it has to be more than that, don't it? It has to be more than that. 
If your old friends don't know that you're a Christian, if any of your friends, if your family, you go on Thanksgiving, you go on Christmas, and you're sitting around a table, and, you're, and, and none of them have any idea that you follow Jesus, are you really unashamed? I'm not saying that you have to, to constantly be talking about it every, every conversation, but it needs to be known. It needs to be public. You say, well, they'll, they'll get mad at me, or they'll hate me, or they'll, they'll do this, or they'll do that. I mean, he says here, in the midst of those who are hostile and oppose you, even if your family disowns you, you need to be publicly confessing Jesus. That's what it says. I mean, if you guys want to take a different approach to it, it's kind of hard to make a confession. I, I even showed you before the men. This isn't in church. It's easy in here. If you can't confess it in here... You can't confess it anywhere. Out there is where it's going to be hard. That's why I find it funny that there's people who don't want to get baptized. Oh, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too shy. I'm too ashamed. You can't be ashamed in here. Because if you're ashamed in here, you'll definitely be ashamed out there. In here, we'll do this. Out there, they'll do this. Here should be easy. Every time we show up to church and we sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. We proclaim it here. But you better proclaim it out there. He's not just talking about here. He's talking about out there where it's hard, where it's unpopular, where there's intimidation. I'm, I have that feeling too where you're around a crowd of people and, and you want a you zipper emoji, right? <laughs> and just, just say, I don't want to cause any problems. I don't want to... This says unzip the lips. You say, I'm just going to live it. Okay? but confesses with the mouth. I want you to live it with your life. I do. Sometimes the most powerful, powerful thing we can do is live it. But let me say this and we'll move on. The life and the lips need to go hand in hand. If you just live it without the speaking it, it's not confessing. Get this, you guys will love this. If you just say it, but you don't live it, I would prefer, and I think Jesus would prefer, just keep your mouth shut. Because you're not a good witness at all. The lips and the life need to go hand in hand. And that makes the most powerful profession and confession that you can make. If you, I'll take this even further. If you confess Christ on Facebook, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've clicked the button. I've shared the thing, you know. But every other post after that is something dirty and bad and foul and vulgar. Do you really follow him? The life and the lips must go together to make a powerful public confession of Christ. That's what he's saying here. There's no secret disciples. There's no hidden followers. I've done people's funerals. And I've sit down with the families and I say, was, was he saved? Well, we don't know. We don't know. He didn't fly his flag very high. May that not be us. Now, I'll say this. We may have times of failure. There may be times of lapses and seasons where we don't confess. Where we fail. Peter had a time like that, didn't he? 
where Jesus is at his, at his hardest time. Before trial, before all these people. And Peter had his chance to stand up for Jesus. This little girl come to, Jesus, come to Peter as he's warming his hands by the fire. He knows Jesus. He's a follower of Jesus. I've seen him with Jesus. And Peter says, I have no idea who he is. And runs off and does it three times. You say, what happened to him after that? Jesus forgave him and he lived the rest of his life confessing Jesus before men. There are times of failure. There are times that we will back away and we'll be hesitant and we won't be and do what we ought to do. But the reaction, those times when we are hesitant, those times when we back off, should, be, should bring us to our knees. It should be grief and weeping and, and brokenness over it. And every time we, we have those lapses, it should be, I'll do better next time. Next time I'll say it. Next time I'll speak up. Next time I won't be afraid. Next time I won't be embarrassed. Next time I'll stand up and be unashamed as a follower of Jesus. Timothy did it too. You read 2 Timothy, you read 1 Timothy. Paul's writing to Timothy telling him to have courage. Because Timothy's backing off. So there's times of lapses. But we must make it a lifestyle. Where I not only confess him at baptism, I not only confess him at church, but I confess him as often as I can. Because I'm a proud follower of Jesus. So that's the how. I just showed you the who. Who do we confess to Jesus? How do we confess him publicly? And the last question. Why do we confess him? He doesn't have to give us a why. But he does. And he gives us the why in both verses. I would call the why. The answer to the why. Because it's a perm permanent confession. You see here what he says? He says, if we confess, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, if we confess, if we name the name, if we wear it, if we, if we put our cards on the table, and if we, we wear it proudly, and we, we fly our banner, if we do that, if we, we aren't ashamed, if we're open in public, if we do it in the Baptist, baptism, if we do it out at school and out, out at work, if we openly confess out there, then he says, him being the one who confesses, will I confess? And it doesn't say before men, does it? It says before my Father in heaven. If we confess Him before men, He'll confess us before His Father. That is an amazing statement. And, and I, I want to explain it to you because it has, it has two levels. He confesses us now I love that. Hebrews eleven sixteen says that he is now not ashamed to be called our God. God is not ashamed of us now. When we, I love that. When we confess his son, the father is not ashamed of us. When we, when you get baptized and you confess Jesus as your Savior and Lord, it's like the father's looking down from heaven saying, I am so proud of that person. I don't care whether you're, let me say this. This is personal. Maybe you feel it too. But there's no greater feeling than having your parents be proud of you. 
I don't care if you're four years old or 44 years old. If you have a parent look at you and say, I am so proud of you. There's no greater feeling in the world. Except to know that your Father in Heaven is proud of you. And when you confess His Son, starting in the baptistry, going out in the public and at school and at work and with family and with friends or in a gym, the Father looks down at you and says, I am so proud of Him. I am not ashamed to be called His God. I claim him as my own. That is a phenomenal statement. That's my boy. I do that as a parent now. I watch my kids play basketball. Isaiah will play. Grace will play. Christian will play. I watched Christian play yesterday. And sometimes I look, you know, he'll do things. I'm like, eh, you know, Steph's boy. (laughs) And then sometimes, a lot of the times, he'll do things. That's my boy. <laughs> and I'll take a picture of it, put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter, put it on Instagram, put it on Snapchat. Why do you do that, Josh? I want the whole world to know that's my boy. He's just like his dad. <laughs> Unless he does something bad, then he's like his mom. <laughs> so proud. Let's. Take it to that other level that when we confess his son, God says, I am so proud. I am so proud of him. I'm not ashamed to be called his God. It's like God's in heaven looking at the angels saying, that's my boy. See that? That's my boy. Jesus even said, or this says in Hebrews 2.11, that Jesus isn't ashamed to be called our brother. That's now. And I'll, I'll give you another one. Not just now, but in the future. When we stand before him, if, if we, if any of us will get into heaven, he must let us in. Jesus must let us in. Understand that. If anybody in here will get into heaven, it will be because Jesus let you in. So he must, when we get there, when we stand before God, he must let us in. He must plead my case. He must say, he's mine. He must say, he's covered. He must say, he's saved. He must say, he's forgiven. And if he doesn't say those words, then we don't get in. When we stand before God one day, it won't matter what we say. It'll only matter what he says. And he's going to stand there and he's going to either confess us before the Father which is in heaven, or He's going to deny us before the Father which is in heaven. And if He confesses us, and He says, I've got Him covered, He's been forgiven, He's been saved, He's covered by my blood, we get in. And if He doesn't, we're out. Depart from me. I don't know you. Oh, no. If you're going to get in, it better be because it'll only be because Jesus lets you in. And Jesus here says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. That when we stand before him, he won't be ashamed of us. He'll say, Josh, and I, there's a lot for me to be ashamed of. A lot of sin, 
a lot of thoughts, a lot of words, a lot of deeds, a lot of what I should do that I didn't do. And I'll stand before God and there'll be nothing but shame on my face and in my life. Oh no, there's no way I should get into heaven. And Jesus says, He believed in me. He confessed me before men. I'm not ashamed to call Him mine. He's covered. He's forgiven. He gets in. Not because of anything He did, but because of what I've done for Him. I'm not ashamed of Him. That's the only way any of us get in. He says, if we confess Him before men, He will confess us before the Father which is in heaven. That's it. That's all we want. His acceptance and His approval. I may have not had the applause and the approval of men here, but I'm not after the applause and the approval of men here. I'm after the applause and the approval of God in heaven. Let me show you the other one. This is why we confess Him. Let's look at the other side. If we deny, look what it says in verse 33, but whosoever shall deny me before men. See, it's, it's the exact opposite. Him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. Those who chose acceptance and applause here. Those who chose to belong here. Those who chose to, to deny Him here. He says He'll deny there. He'll be ashamed of there. He'll look and say... He's not mine. He's not covered. He's not forgiven. He's not saved. He doesn't get in. There will be protests. But those protests won't get anywhere. Can you imagine the protest that's going to be in heaven one day? Or before God at the, at the judgment seat? When people stand before Him and they need... An advocate. They need someone to represent them. They need someone to stand and plead their case. Can you imagine standing before a judge here in, in this world? Standing before a judge and you're on trial for something you were guilty of? And you stand before the judge and you say, I'll plead my own case? You're in trouble. You need an advocate. You need a lawyer. You need somebody who can stand for you. And if you look to your left or your right and there's nobody standing there and you're on your own, you're in trouble. Now you stand before God one day and you're standing and you're guilty of all the crimes that you could have ever committed. You're a sinner and you're standing before Him and you look around and there's nobody to stand with you. There's no advocate. There's no representative. There's nobody there to say, He's mine. You can... Protest all you want and say, but I, but I. Depart from me, you never, I never knew you. You know who that happened to? Judas. Judas heard these words. And Judas stood before God. And he's looking around for somebody to defend him. Anybody? Jesus, we spent three years together. I kept his money. I had it in my pouch. We, we were friends. I sit at the table with him. 
We, 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 we worked it. I went on this mission trip. I heard all of his words, saw all his miracles. But do you remember denying him and selling him out for money? That you chose to be on the side of popularity and acceptance and the in crowd instead of following Jesus. I'm not going to confess you before my father. Depart from me. These are some of the scariest words in all of scripture. Frightening, tragic, threatening words. Get this. When we need, the, the talking of this last group, when they need him the most, standing before God the Father, he'll say no. And you say, why? Because when he needed them the most to stand up and confess him, they said no. It's a permanent rejection. You say, this being a shame stuff is serious. You better believe it is. So let me ask you this, and I'll close. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are we followers of Jesus Christ? If we were to pick teams here today, or pick sides, and on one side we're followers of Jesus, and on the other side those who refuse and deny him, if we're picking sides, which side would you be on? You're picking sides. And I looked around the room today and went one by one and said, who are you following? Would you? And, we, and we did it publicly. Ooh, this would be good. Oh, that would be a good illustration for today. Go around to each individual in this room and say, who do you follow? Which side would you be on? In here, it would be easy, would it not? In here, if we were picking sides, I think it would be, I mean, we may have a 120 here today, uh, counting the kids downstairs. So if, if we were to pick sides here today and say, all right, who's on this side? I, I would think, let's say 120 people here today, it would probably be 120 to zero. Would it not? I, mean, I, th- I think so. We're here believers. That's who we are. If there's not someone, we'll, I'll, I'll give you a chance here in a minute. But would the story change when we went out there? Out there, which side would you be on? Does anybody know which side you're on out there? Is there a question? Is there a maybe? Not sure? I encourage you today to be a follower of Jesus Christ here and to be a follower of Jesus Christ out there. Don't be ashamed because there's nothing to be ashamed of. We all need today to join the fellowship of the unashamed. That I am unashamed in my walk, in my following of Jesus Christ. We need to be, as Christians, more outspoken, more bold than we've ever been in this world. And come what may, we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are Christians. And if you're here today and you are a believer in Christ, I want to supply this directly to you. And you've never made it public. You need to do that today. You need to in a second. If you've never let it be known, you say, well, just being in church is enough to be known. If I walk into church and sit in a pew, everybody automatically knows. That's not confession. That's not what he means by this. Going to church is a great thing, but it's not a public profession. You know what a public profession would be? If you're truly saved and you're a believer, the first thing you'd want to do is say, I need to get baptized to let everybody know. 
So if you've never been baptized, you've never made a public profession, you need to do that today. Join the fellowship of the unashamed. Let everybody know. Lay your cards on the table. Wave your flag as high as you can wave it. We do it for teams, don't we? Drive by houses and there's flags all over the houses. I cheer for this team and I cheer for this team. I vote for this. I vote for that. How about we fly our flag for Jesus a little higher? I'm a follower of Christ. So that's your invitation. If you never have, you need to do it today. If you already have, we need to, to put that flag a little bit higher so the whole world knows this is where I stand. And if you're not a believer today, if you're not a follower, I give you one word. And it's said twice, in, once in verse 32 and once in verse 33. Notice it with me. Whosoever. Do you see that? You know what he's doing with whosoever? You, you should love that word. He says it again in verse 33. But whosoever. You say, what does that good old King James word mean, Josh? It means that the door is wide open. If you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you can be. If you desire to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you can be. Jesus' arms are like this right here, right now. And if you want to come and follow Him, you can do that. You can believe on Him. You can follow Him if you want to. Romans 10 says, if you believe in your heart, then you'll confess with your mouth. So believe it and then let it be known. Every time I talk to somebody and I lead them to the Lord, they'll say, what do I do? I'll say, believe. I've done that. What's next? You know what I say the next thing is? Every time. I, I, I did it with Isaiah. I remember this very specifically. He came to me and we talked about salvation. This was a couple years ago. And he, he, he said, Dad, I believe. I said, amen, that's great. He said, what do I do now? <laughs> I could have gave him a long list of things. I said, go and tell somebody. And I went and sit back down. And he come and got me. He said, can I have your phone? I said, you're not playing a game on my phone. <laughs> he said, I want to call my mommy, Josh. <laughs> and, you know, you may not know. Mommy Josh is what they call my mom. The mommy of. <laughs> it's a great name. And he got my phone and took it back into his room. And he probably don't know why I did this. He's probably embarrassed by it now. But if you're a preacher's kid, this is just how it goes. I snuck up to his room. And I stood beside his door. He got on the phone with mommy, Josh. He said, guess what? He said, I just got saved. And I slowly walked away. <laughs> and I, yes. <laughs> and then he comes to me and said, Dad, when can I get baptized? And I think he actually said baptized. Is that it? And just a few weeks later, he got in the water made a public confession before a church full of people. I'm a follower of Jesus. Gracie's done it. Christian's done it. Have you done it? Have you? I urge you today, I plead with you today, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And then to make that as public as you can starting by walking down this aisle and let it be known before the church. 
You can do that here today. You don't have to walk the aisle. When I get done here in a second, you can just raise your hand and say, I want to let everybody know I'm a follower of Jesus now. Or you can say, walk this aisle and say, Josh, I need to get baptized. Or you can walk outside these doors and let it be known to the whole wide world, I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. This is how Jesus says we are to be unashamed followers of his. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. I, I hope it lit a fire under us. It did me. Uh, I needed it. There's times in my life, Father, where I, I become hesitant, where I'm tempted to back off. Even in the pulpit, Father, I, I'll admit it. There's times that I think, oh, this is going to cause me trouble. This is going to make people mad. And God, I needed this fire lit. And I needed my flag raised higher. And I need to become more outspoken and more bold. In here, out there, everywhere. And God, I pray that would be the same for everybody in this room. As they said, yep, I need to be a little bit more outspoken, a little bit more bold. In my confession of Christ. And I pray, God, there's one in here who's an unbeliever. That they would see that word, whosoever. And see the open door. That if they would just believe, they could be saved. And that in being saved, they'd, they'd make it known. That with heart they'd believe, with mouth, confession could be made into salvation. So, Father, work during this invitation time. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name.